I'm privileged to be able to join with you this morning and to have this time with you. And as I come, I bring greetings, greetings from um, South Wales Baptist Association, but uh, not just from South Wales Baptist Association. Last week, I was at another Bethel church, Bethel Baptist Church in Clampwick Major. And um, while I was there, if we can have the PowerPoint on, I asked them, I said, um, next week, I am at um, Bethel Baptist Church in Whitchurch. And I said, can I take your greetings to them there? And um, they said, yes, of course, please do. Just trying to get the PowerPoint to work here. If you could move on a slide, because my, oh, there we go. Um, there, there's a picture of them, um, and they were, I don't know if you can see that, they were giving a wave to you there as well. So I bring greetings especially from Bethel Baptist Church in Clampwick Major. And uh, next week, I am preaching at Griffith Town Baptist Church, and uh, there's a slide for there. I might just ask you to move them forward, because this doesn't seem to be working at the minute. Um, so, yes, and I just wondered, could I take your greetings to them? Would, would you mind? Could I take a picture of you now, waving? Would that, would that be all right? If you could give me, give, give me a little wave. I'll just um, get my camera on. There we go. Fantastic. So I will take uh, your greetings to Griffith Town Baptist Church uh, next Sunday morning. And it's lovely to do this. It reminds us that we are part of a Baptist family. And uh, one of the things that we are able to do as an association with that is we seek to support the churches, Baptist churches, who are part of South Wales Baptist Association uh, in many different ways. And uh, the slide, I, I could talk to you about some of the stuff we do, but what I try and do is, what I thought I'd do this morning, is I'll just tell you about um, who we try to be. You're what we hope you'll experience, because you can come across us in many different ways for many different reasons, and um, what we hope you will find when you meet with us is, first of all, we hope you'll find that we're passionate for mission. We have the good news of Jesus, and we're passionate about that, and we want to share it wherever we go. But we seek as well to be innovative and visionary, uh, because the message of Jesus never changes but the way in which we communicate, it does. Uh, God is never changing, but our culture is. So the way in which we seek to share the message of the love of Jesus does change. So we seek to be innovative and visionary in the way that we do that. We want to be generous and relational as well. We love the relationships we have. We have 125 to 130 Baptist churches across South Wales, um, going from Chepstow in the east through to Broadhaven in the west. Brecon is as far north as we go, and Barry is the most southerly church that we have. So across this region, we love the generous relationships that we can build through that. And I'd just like to say thank you to you as a church, because we love the relationship that we have with you. Uh, I feel like, although this is the first time I've been with you on a Sunday, I've been into this building many times uh, over the last few years. And uh, John is a, a fantastic uh, minister. He really supports us uh, as an association, and it's a joy to have those relationships. And as well, we seek to be committed to justice. We are in a culture, in a world where things go wrong, where there isn't always justice. And we want to be committed to bringing about God's justice 
in the world. So when, when you, you see, see it, it as our best, we hope you will see some of these things, if not all of them, in us through that. So it's great to be with you today and have the opportunity to share with you in your series called We Believe. And um, when John asked me, he said, "Would you know if you'd like to take part in the series, you're very welcome. I said, I'd love to. Which part is it? He said, we believe in the church. Uh, and it seems very appropriate. Certainly, I'm delighted to be able to speak on that. So we're going to turn to God's word now to Matthew chapter 16. And we are going to read verses 13 to 19. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 19. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Give your thanks to God for his word to us. Let's pray as we come to look at this scripture. Father God, thank you that you give us your word, the word written in the Bible, so that we might know you. Lord, we pray that as we are here this morning worshiping you through the songs, through our prayers, through our time together, may we know and experience your presence. Speak into our hearts and minds, we pray. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Thank you. I, um, I see another... Um, remote has appeared whilst I have been uh, reading and praying. So thank you for that. We'll see if this one works. Ah, there we go. That seemed to move one slide further forward. So there we go. Fantastic. Thank you very much. So as Andy says, I've got a little quiz for you to start off with. Um, it's a multiple choice quiz. So you've got a one in four chance of getting it right. This is the first Question, according to the latest research by Ethical Commerce Alliance, which is the most trusted supermarket at this time, um, who came out on top? Lidl, Tesco, Waitrose, or Aldi's? 
The answer is, I heard a few different things there, the answer is actually Lidl came out on top. There we go, well done if you got that one right. Second question for you. According to the U-Switch Telecoms Awards 2023, who knew there was such a thing as that? Uh, which is the most reliable broadband provider? Is it A, Virgin, BT, Sky, or Plusnet? We'll see, see where the loyalties are. The answer is, I can tell you, is BT. Apparently, it's some surprise the reaction there, I can see. Finally, if you go on the road, you might find this one helpful. Um, the Independent Transport Watchdog carried out a survey of 30,000 people to find out which were the best motorway services. Uh, and they looked at things like um, electric charging points, the food that was on offer, the state of the toilets, all of those kind of things. Uh, which do you think came out on top? Any ideas? I, I can tell because I mean it's multiple guess really, isn't it? It's um, the actual answer is rugby, moto. So if you're going past rugby moto service stations, it's worth calling in there. Um, and uh, if you can avoid Toddington South, they came out 119 in the rating. But it's interesting, isn't it? We have within that words such as most reliable most trustworthy, the best. You see, what they're trying to do is they're trying to uh, encourage, when you get those awards, it suggests that we can believe in what they offer. We can believe in what they offer. And as we come to this part of the series, looking at the Apostles' Creed, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. We believe in the Holy Church, which means the people who are set apart, separated for God. We believe in the Catholic Church with a small c, the Catholic Church, the worldwide church. We believe. And as I was coming to think about this uh, and how to introduce it and, uh, and talking about this idea of the experience that we have, which means we might believe in the church, I want to put some context on this straight away because I've just talked about goods and services with, you know, you switch, you internet providers, um, with the shops, the supermarkets. We can all too easily fall into the trap of thinking about the church is what we consume. You see, we come on a Sunday, don't we? And we, we experience what we are offered in this place. But I want to suggest something else. Maybe this is the context in which we can understand the we believe in the church. It's from Ephesians and um, words of Paul, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 27. It talks about husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, there's always a risk in using some Bible verses where you take them out of context, but what I wanted to suggest is this. When we talk about we believe in the church, 
We need to understand this in part of this context of we believe in the church. And what we want to do is remember that the church is the church that Christ loves and loves today. You see, when we talk about believing in the church, we might want to take it one step further this morning to say, not only do we need to believe in the church, but we're called to be like Christ, and Christ loves the church, and so therefore we're called to love the church as well, to believe in the church and to love the church. So as we come to this time now, I want to give two questions to reflect on. The first of which I hope to give you some answers to, but yours might be different to this. So the first question is this. I believe in the church because dot, dot, dot. How would you fill that in? If we had more time this morning, I'd love to go around and perhaps get some answers to that. Do feel free to tell me afterwards. But I guess because you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, there is something that says you do believe in the value and the significance of the church for those who follow Jesus. I believe in the church because dot, dot, dot. Why? Why would you believe in the church? Second question for us to reflect on this morning is this. How much do you love the church? If I was to give you a scale between naught and ten, with naught being not at all, I suspect if it was naught, you wouldn't be here this morning. Uh, but ten, I love the church completely. Where would you be on that scale? And within that, to think as well, believing in the church and loving the church is not just about what I get from it. But notice that when Christ loved the church, he gave himself in the most costly way. He gave himself wholly and completely for the church, for you and me, because he died that we might have all that is wrong, all that would separate us from God, taken from us so that we can know his love and his presence in our lives. So within asking the question, how much do we, how much do you love the church? The question is asking as well, how much are you giving to the church? How costly is it to you in what you give the church? Because that's something of what it means to believe in the church. I believe in the church because dot, 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 one thing to reflect on, how much do you love the church? A second thing to reflect on as well. Let's begin to put that within the context of our reading. We're told that Jesus came with the disciples to the region of Caesarea, Philippi. Um, you may be able to see on the map there that uh, that's located, it's roughly 25 to 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. And Caesarea Philippi is an interesting region at this time because it's uh, consisted within the population of many non-Jews. And because there were many non-Jews, there was a plurality of religious belief. It was a multi-faith place. Here are some of the uh, worship that would have gone on. There was the worship of Baal. Baal was believed to be a god of 
who, who bless with fertility. So that would be in terms of crops. If you were planting crops, you might worship Baal and believe that because you were worshipping him, you would have a bumper crop. Or, or it's to do with a um, plentiful number of children. And so you'd believe and worship Baal because there was this idea that he would bless you with children. There was the worship of Pan going on. Pan was a god of creation, of beauty, and this region in particular was known to be very beautiful. There was worship going on there. And there was also a temple for the worship of Caesar. When Caesar died, he was proclaimed to be a god, and people gathered to worship him. So it's in this region of multi-faith that the question Jesus chooses to ask is this. Who do people say I am? Who do people say I am? And we're told there are a number of responses. Some, they say, they say John the Baptist. It's like there's a belief, there's some form of belief in reincarnation, isn't there? John the Baptist has come back again. That's what some people are saying. Jesus is John the Baptist returning. Others say Elijah. Elijah, the, the forerunner to the Messiah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And they were probably thinking within this that they were giving compliments. Because actually there hadn't been a prophet. Well, when we go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we're talking about 400 years. 400 years of silence amongst the prophets. And so they were assigning to Jesus what they thought would probably be a compliment. But actually, they didn't really understand. So this is what other people were saying. And then Jesus asks the truly significant question, who do you say I am? This is the moment when there's a change in direction because following on from this declaration of faith that Peter makes, Jesus starts setting his face towards Jerusalem. He predicts he will die. He knows he's going to die. Uh, and maybe there's a significance to this question that's saying, well, when I die, I need people who are going to take the message on. Do you start to get it yet, disciples? Who do you say I am? And we have this wonderful statement that Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I don't know if you know the legend of Archimedes. Uh, Archimedes was set a very difficult question by the king, a difficult task to have. The king believed that his uh, goldsmith had um, replaced some of the gold in his crown with silver, silver less valuable, uh, and he asked Archimedes to work out whether that was so. And Archimedes was trying to think, well, how do I work out without damaging the crown whether there is silver in amongst the gold? And so the legend goes that he was working on that problem. One day he took a bath. And when he got in the bath, the water overflowed from it. And he suddenly got the answer that if he could find, if he could get a weight of gold equivalent to what the crown should be and place it in water, fill the water up to the top of the bowl, take, the crown, take out that gold and put the crown in. If it overflowed, there would be silver in the crown because silver was denser and heavier. Uh, and so the legend goes that at that point he, he got out of the bath and, and ran around the town shouting, Eureka, Eureka, which means I found it. I found it. 
I found something really significant, the answer. And I want to suggest that what Peter says here is truly significant. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. The question that all of us have to answer is this, who do you say Jesus is? And I'm sure there are many of us here today who would say, yes, he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And when we've met with Jesus, when we've discovered him, when, when we meet him for the first time, there's that joy within us that maybe means that we don't go around shouting, Eureka, Eureka, but there is a joy within us that is birthed through meeting with Jesus. There may be people who are here today, watching online now or at a later time, who are exploring this very question, who is Jesus to you? I want to say, there is no better answer that you will ever find that will bring you more joy than when you discover that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And if you're in that place today, maybe today is the day when you want to invite Jesus into your heart. If that's you and if you're here today, I'd love to speak to you after the service if you would like to make that commitment. There is no more important question. But that's a little bit to one side of what I really want to talk about this morning. It's Jesus' answer, his reply to what Simon Peter says. And, and just imagine, I mean, it's, uh, Simon Peter must have felt when he hears these words like shouting Eureka, because this is tremendous affirmation. Just listen to this about what Jesus says to him. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's some affirmation, isn't it? Peter must have been thinking, I got the right answer there, didn't I? Because he doesn't always, when you read the scripture, he doesn't always get it right. But right then, he does. A eureka moment for him. Uh, and what I want to do is, we've only got a, a few minutes, but what I'm going to try and do is very briefly just pick out three things from just verse 18, where... Verse 17 and 18, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And within this, I want to suggest three reasons why we can believe in the church, and that belief is important and significant. The first thing is this, we share blessings. Blessed are you, Simon, Son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. You see, there's a great blessing in that statement of, I, I, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That means that when we gather together with others who share that faith, there are blessings. 
You see, much of the week we can spend time with those who don't know Jesus, who wouldn't make that claim about who he is. So there's something joyful about coming together where we can sing together, where we can praise God together, where we can worship together that is truly significant. That is the church when we meet together. It's good to be able to do that. Of course, we can, we can sing songs on our own. We can listen to sermons via podcasts. That's good. But there's something still truly significant about the gathered community of God. Coming together, declaring together, we believe. And we can note as well within this that there is revelation that comes from God. Revelation from the Father. And Simon Peter is the spokesperson for the disciples, but note that what happens is they are all blessed by what Simon Peter says because they all hear this affirmation. There is revelation from God that they are hearing. As we gather together in God's community, there is revelation. Revelation about who God is. It's good to gather together because we can hear from others revelation that God has given them. That can encourage all of us. And maybe we have the revelation from God to share with others that can encourage them. I believe in the church and I love the church because it's a place where we are blessed together, where we share in worship with one another as those who declare he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We're blessed as we share blessings together through his revelation. Second thing is this, we are being built. Um, I don't know did, if anyone saw the story and heard about the Spanish Duke, I wrote down his name, Fernando Fitz James Stewart. I can see one or two nods there. Uh, he hit the news uh, in Spain quite recently because he was told that he couldn't legally register the name of his daughter that he had chosen. Let me tell you her name that he had chosen. Sophia Fernando Dolores Cayetana Teresa Angelica de la Cruz. Michela de Santiniso Sacramento del Perpetuo Socorro de la Santissimo Trinidad Ide Taudas Los Santos. I can't guarantee I pronounced all of that correctly. Um, he was told it's too long. You cannot register legally a name of that length. I suspect in coming years his daughter will be very, very glad about that. He has to change her name. Well, here in the story, we've got a change of name. Um, Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. You are Peter. Now cue the commentaries here about a whole range of discussions about what this means. Let me just give you a few, a flavor of what goes on. Uh, people talk about the fact that the Greek name for Peter is Petros, which means rock. So really what you've got here is saying, and I tell you that you are rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And so then there are people that talk out, well, the second rock um, it has got the feminine name, Petra, for rock. So you've got Petros and Petra, and they say Petros. Well, well, that's sometimes referred to the small pebble, the small stone. 
and Petra refers to a big rock. So you've kind of got Peter, the small rock, the small pebble, the small stone, on the big rock of Jesus. There are others who disagree with that as an interpretation. There are some who will talk about um, the role of Peter. So when he says, when Jesus says, um, I will build my church on this rock, they're saying, actually, the rock is Peter. This isn't the same as apostolic succession. They're saying, actually, Peter had a really significant role to play in the life of the early church, who preached on the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church. It was Peter. When the Samaritans received uh, and believed in Jesus, they didn't have the Holy Spirit until who should come along and pray with them? Peter and John. When it was revealed that the message was not just the message of Jesus was not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. Who was that revealed to? Peter, in the house of Cornelius. Peter has a significant part to play. And so some people are saying, but actually what Jesus is saying is, look, you're going to have a really significant part in the setting up of the church. So that's what Jesus is saying. And other people say, well, actually, it goes back and refers to the statement of faith that Peter made. The church is built on the statement, he is the Christ, my saviour. And so we've got all of these things going on. Now, in one sense, I would like to say they've all got something to contribute to our understanding. And perhaps when we meet Jesus face to face, we can ask him exactly what he did mean uh, by that one. Nice to have a bit of a compliment, isn't it, as well? But what I want to say is this. Rock is a compliment to give to someone. You know, to describe somebody as a rock and to change your name to say, you are the rock, that's nice, isn't it? That's good. What we didn't read is the next story where Jesus says he's going to die and um, Peter says, no, this shan't happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That is not a compliment, just in case you were wondering. Uh, and what I want to suggest is this. What we see, uh, when somebody makes that expression of faith, it doesn't mean to say they're going to get everything right from that time on. It's still fallible. And we read of Peter still being fallible after this time. He's made, he knows who Jesus is, but he's still fallible. Why? But he's being built. Uh, and I want to say this about the church, and we all make up the church, that the church is not perfect. When I say we believe in the church, we're not saying the church is perfect. And there will be many people who have experienced hurt within church life. There will be many people who will have found individuals difficult or the whole institution of church difficult. It can be a painful place to be. But it's still God's gift to us. I still believe in the church because we're being built. We're not perfect now. We will only be perfect once we meet face to face with Jesus. But in this life, we won't be. We will make mistakes. We will hurt people. And perhaps there's something about that image that I gave earlier on about Christ loved the church. And he does it within, Paul talks about that within the image of marriage. You know, those of us who are married will know, well, our partners will know we're not perfect. But there is a sign of commitment that says, even though they're not perfect, I will keep on loving them and I keep my commitment to them. 
And that's something of what I think we're to understand with the church. The church is not perfect. The church is a place where we may be hurt. The church is a place where we will see faults at times. But it is still our gift and our commitment is to be to the church and to love the church because the church is being built. It's not the finished article. And also we can say with that as well, we're built, the church is being built. What a privilege it is that we're invited to be a part of that building. You know, we can serve. We can serve the church. We're invited, you and I, are invited to contribute to the kingdom that Christ is building. That's a privilege. Third and finally, there's victory as well. There's victory. Um, it says this, I, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Hades is the realm of death. The gates of Hades show the strength. You know, at that, that time it was the, the gates that showed the strength of the place that you were in. And, and so the saying, the gates of Hades, was about saying, this is such a powerful place, but the gates of Hades, the gates of death, will not overcome it. The church will not die. The church is everlasting. doesn't mean to say that every single church we know will survive. doesn't mean to say that um, Bethel Baptist Church and Church will survive for all eternity. Who knows what it will be in a hundred years' time, for example. doesn't mean to say the Baptist denomination will survive for all eternity. Who knows where the Baptist denomination will be in a hundred years' time. But the church will carry on. Uh, and the church will carry on because we know there is victory because death cannot overcome it. How do we know death cannot overcome it? Because Jesus overcame death on the cross. Seems very appropriate to remind ourselves of this on Remembrance Day. We remember that Jesus overcame death. Death could not hold him. And we, his followers, made in the image of God, loved by him, can know that death will not hold us. It's fascinating, you know the word for church here that's used in the center, ecclesia, comes out of two words. First of all, ek, which means um, out of, and then kalio, which means to call. So it's literally, ecclesia, the church, is to call out, to call out of. To call out of darkness and into light. To call out of death and into life. That's who we are. The church is not an institution. The church is not a building. The church is those who are called out of darkness and into light, called out of death and into life. We have the victory. Amen. Yes, absolutely. You know, those of us that enjoy sport and enjoy celebrating the victory that comes with your team, it very often the experience in sport is that a victory and the joy of victory is followed by a defeat not too long afterwards. But this victory we're talking about is an ongoing victory that is day after day, year after year, for all of eternity. This is what we can celebrate. I believe in the church because in the church there is blessing. There is blessing from meeting with each other. There is blessing as we can have revelation about who God is. I believe in the church because we're being built together. Not that we are perfect, but we are being built into the people that God wants us to be. And what a privilege we have of being able to take part in that. And I believe in the church because we are people called out of darkness into the light, out of death into life 
for all of eternity. I believe in the church. Praise God. Hallelujah to his gift. Amen.